Dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Live with your hosts, Nasser Al Khatib and Sarwa Abdurrahim. Assalamu alaikum. And uh, here with us, we have our guest as well, uh, Dr. Zakaria Matthews. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Wa alaikum, salam wa rahmatullah. Just a reminder that Salatul Maghrib is going to be at 11 o'clock, inshallah. So, 11, uh, sorry, 8-11, 8-11, inshallah. So we will uh, break then just for the time of the Adhan. So here at QK Radio, uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to shed some light on the interaction and the relationship between Muslims and the media in Australia. We've all noticed that um, there's been a lot of what we may term as Islamophobic or anti-Islamic uh, coverage of Muslims in the media. Others may think that it's um, actually Muslims, you know, making mistakes and um, the media is, is being very um, honest in its portrayal of Muslims. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about um, with uh, Dr. Zakaria. Dr. Zakaria is also the head of JMA, which is Just Media Advocacy. And we're going to talk to him about this organization and the work that it does, inshallah. So, um, Dr. Zakaria, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about the organization that you've worked in. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. rahim uh, firstly, thank you very much for having me on your on your program. It's a pleasure. Uh, very briefly, Just Media Advocacy was uh, started uh, in January 2011, and we have finished uh, 12 months. Uh, alhamdulillah, it was uh, established um, as a project to promote accurate and responsible media coverage. And uh, we uh, mainly focus on issues related to the Muslim community and uh, its uh, coverage in the media. Um, but uh, we also cover other uh, communities. We cover issues of r racism and um, bias and xenophobia uh, across the board, uh, affecting uh, different minority groups. Uh, we also cover social um, and health-related um, uh, matters that are covered in the media. So we're in, it's an advocacy project, uh, mainly focusing on issues uh, relayed and covered in the media. Yep. And, and seeing how or whether these uh, issues that we focus on are covered accurately and uh, responsibly. Okay. Just a reminder to our listeners that if you want to ask a question or contribute, you're most welcome to call us on 9724-3355 or you can contribute through the Facebook or the Twitter uh, page, inshallah. So tell us, uh, Dr. Zakaria, about the um, beginning of JMA. Mm -hmm. Was it your idea? Is it your project initially? It's it's been an, an idea that that has been on the table for a long time. Um, I met people like uh, Nihad Awad from Care uh, in the U.S. when he came and visited Australia many years ago, and also met with uh, Anas Al Tikriti uh, from the U.K. Uh, on his several visits to um, Australia. Now, Anas Al Tikriti was the president of uh, the, the Muslim Association of Britain. Muslim Association of Britain, and the, which was also similar to Care in the U.S. Uh, no, the MAB was more a grassroots organization, but Anas had a specific, uh, particular interest in uh, media coverage and um, providing a Muslim perspective on issues in the media. And CARE was the Council on American-Islamic Islamic Relations, Relations yep. which is sort of like the NAACP. A civil rights, a civil yeah. rights uh, organization yep. 
looking at uh, issues of discrimination uh, as they impact the Muslim community in the U.S. So they, they not only cover the issues in the media, but more broadly um, issues of civil rights and discrimination against yep. the Muslim community. Okay. So based on my uh, encounters with these uh, two individuals, there was uh, definitely a need in Australia to try and uh, replicate something similar mm-hmm. uh, in Australia. And it was only a matter of time before this project uh, was planned and uh, uh, came to fruition. I had uh, an encounter with the media in 2010, March 2010, where I uh, came under attack uh, with regard to comments I made at the open day at Lakema Masjid, Lakema Mosque, regarding Sharia and the implementation of Sharia Mm -hmm. and uh, legal pluralism. so I think that was one of the key motivators for me, uh, or the key moments, milestones in, in, in my progression towards this project and um, putting a serious effort into getting it uh, introduced. Um, I, took, I then took off time from work to plan uh, the project and alhamdulillah uh, launched it in January 2011. So yeah. alhamdulillah we've been in operation for the last 12 months. MashaAllah. And are you now working on this full time or are you just doing it sort of half time? No, it's still, it's still, um, I'm still working on it part time. Yeah. It is not yet at the stage uh, where I am uh, uh, in, in terms of the resources available mm-hmm. to, to run this project full time. That is the long term strategy and goal for this project. Yeah. But at, at the moment with the resources that we have and the planning that we have, um, I'm uh, dedicating uh, about two days a week uh, okay. on this project. And uh, in terms of funding, I remember um, I attended the um, launching of uh, Mm -hmm. JMA in Bankstown. um, And I remember that your funding was essentially um, businesses and Muslim individuals, um, Mm -hmm. you know, committing to two or three thousand dollars per case. Was that correct? That's correct. We we held a launch uh, in March, uh, Mm -hmm. an official launch event in March 2011, last year, mm-hmm. where we introduced the project mainly to the Muslim community mm-hmm. and made a case for the community to sponsor uh, this project. Yep. And uh, through that event, we managed to uh, to uh, gain support, uh, financial support, uh, from uh, mainly professionals, uh, uh, business people as well, and some community organizations. Yep. And so this is a project that is uh, highly dependent on community support uh, for it to continue yep. and, and, and to grow. Yeah. Um, do you think that there is a possibility in the future to have it um, become self-sustaining? Uh, uh, there is there is a plan to branch out and expand the project into a public relations uh, yeah. to add a public relations arm uh, to the project yeah. uh, where it's uh, rather than reactive advocacy what we are mainly doing and focusing on right now mm-hmm. uh, but do proactive uh, public relations advocacy work that will require us to to pitch that particular part of the program to uh, clients and and see whether they will uh, would like to take that on, uh, but that's uh, something still in the development uh, phase. We we haven't and it's not on the table for this year either. It, it may be on the table uh, for for next year, yeah. where we can branch out into more uh, active public relations work, where we can uh, gain some income that will also then uh, supplement the work, the advocacy work that we're doing in the media. So um. You know, as opposed to care, for example, who are um, very legally minded and um, they have lots of lawyers and chapters working with them. Uh, you guys right now just essentially write articles and try to reach out people uh, in a, I guess, a civil way rather than legally or... 
No, what, what we do is uh, we monitor the media. So I, our primary function is to do media monitoring. Mm -hmm. And we try and capture um, as much as we can uh, uh, of the issues that we are focusing on. And obviously one of the, yeah. one of the issues on the top of our list is anything that is written about Islam or the Muslim community in Australia. And we restrict our monitoring to the media in Australia only. Except um, sometimes we, uh, we will make an exception to that with overseas media if if it relates to a specific uh, local issue. So w once we've captured, oh, through our monitoring, we, we capture an article or an item that has been uh, covered in the media and we assess it to... Um, to to either defame, tarnish, or stereotype or vilify mm -hmm. the community, then we will take that on as a as a particular case, a specific case. No, uh, and what that involves is, as as a first um, uh, first approach, we will contact the author of that particular media item, mm -hmm. whether it is a journalist or opinion piece uh, uh, author or an editor. Uh, and then we will contact them to to clarify uh, what has been written, uh, spoken, or uh, or aired on on television. No, inshallah. But I will have to stop mm -hmm. you for the adhan. So, um, dear listeners, uh, we are going to take a three-minute break for the adhan of uh, Salat al-Maghrib at eight eleven, inshallah, and we will come back afterwards. And we're back. Sakhalakhiran for waiting for us to come back online. So uh, Sarwa was cheating a little bit she was asking questions during the adhan Can you um, essentially what, what I was asking was um, what is um, with a um, there um, is a response from the journalists when um, you guys write to them and um, what sort of response is there um, what are the outcomes what are the possible outcomes and what do you do if there's a disagreement Okay, uh, so when we, we contact the journalist, it's not always that we will get a response. For example, with the Australian newspaper, uh, we get no response. And so and we have, we've probably had about 10 cases uh, with the Australian newspaper, and we've gotten zero response. Uh, from the other media, um, from the Herald Sun, for example, in Melbourne, we get about 50% uh, of a response rate from the Sydney Morning Herald. It's about 70 to 80 percent response rate, and surprisingly, from the Daily Telegraph, our response rate is pretty good as well. From from journalists, yeah. um, from journalists, or from, so you don't contact the editors. If I don't get a response from a journalist, then I'll contact yeah. the, uh, for example, with the Daily Telegraph. I have a relationship. I've established the relationship with the uh, managing editor yeah. of the uh, Daily Telegraph because he looks after complaints. Com mm -hmm. He handles all their complaints. Uh, so I've actually gone in and met with him as well uh, about one particular complaint. Uh, s the same thing with the Sydney Morning Herald. I have a very good uh, response rate from the um, uh, editor uh, from the Sydney Morning Herald as well as the executive editor of the Herald Sun. Yep. Now, now sometimes they they will uh, they will most of the time they will respond saying that they will stand by what they have written. That's their standard approach uh, to stand by what they have written, and they believe that what they have written is fair and accurate and balanced then I have to try and challenge uh, that and, and, and uh, can try and make a point as to where I think it's not fair and balanced. Is this done in writing or do you actually call them? My preference is to do everything in writing okay. uh, by email, yep. uh, but sometimes they will call and we'll, we'll have a chat over the phone. Yep. Um, Usually are they aggressive? Are they no. Okay. No, generally not. Pretty friendly. Uh, yeah, um, okay. not, not aggressive. Um, and I, I think that's a common misconception about people who work in the media. Uh, that they have that there's this conspiracy to uh, target the Muslim community 
and that there's a campaign against uh, the Muslim community. Uh, we'll in we'll get to that, inshallah. In, um, in terms of the response, say, sorry, in terms of not getting response, mm-hmm. um, if you don't get a response, what would, um, what would your role be there? Okay, it depends on the case. If it's, if it's a clear, if, if, if we in our assessment believe that there's a clear breach of one of the codes, either the Australian First Council's uh, codes or ACMA, the Australian Communications and Media Authorities Codes, if we believe that the article or the media item uh, clearly breached those codes, then we will refer our complaint onto one of those uh, bodies, either to the Press Council or to the Media Authority. And what's the uh, process there? Is there a mediation that's held? It's a formal process. Uh, For example, the Press Council, uh, there's a complaint form that needs to be lodged with them. They will assess the veracity of the complaint that we're referring to them also to see whether there is a a case to be made. Uh, If there is a case to be made, then they will uh, take it on. Uh, The case that we had with the Herald Sun, um, I communicated with uh, the uh, executive editor of the Herald Sun on, uh, on that case. It was a particular headline. Uh, that they wrote that we felt breached the, uh, the APC's code. Uh, we referred that on to the... Uh, they didn't respond to me in that case. In, in that case, the managing editor didn't, did not respond, so we referred that case on to the press council. They invested the case, and we. the outcome of that case was we actually won. Uh, our complaint was upheld against the uh, Herald Sun, and they found that they were in breach of the code. Uh, with regard to that particular headline that they had on on that particular story. When they're in breach and they found that they're breach, are they fined? What sort of what's the sort um, the consequence that um, that media? It depends on the seriousness of the uh, offence uh, or the breach. Uh, in this particular case, the council felt that it was sufficient for the uh, Herald Sun to to publish the adjudication with the same prominence that they published the original article. So that was the penalty that they uh, issued to the Herald Sun. And they had a particular time frame within which to publish that adjudication. And they have to publish the adjudication as it is written by the press council. They, they, have, they don't have a, a, a choice in the wording of uh, the adjudication. And that's what they did. They published online the adjudication against them. So basically, they are publicizing that they have been found to be in breach of uh, the press council's code. So what do you do then in terms of like Channel 7 or Channel 9? Um, when or they 60 Minutes as well, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with the 60 Minutes case on uh, Sharia uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, I think it was March or April last year, mm-hmm. we also referred that complaint on to uh, ACMA. We communicated with the, uh, I communicated with the producer of, of that particular um, story and they did not respond, so we again, we referred the complaint on to ACMA. ACMA decided to investigate our complaint. As I said before, they will also determine, they will they will have like an initial assessment of the complaint to see whether it's actually uh, worthwhile them investigating it or not. If it's not worthwhile them investigating, they'll, they'll tell me that this, my complaint is baseless, that there's nothing, uh, um, there's no substance in the complaint. But in this case, they, they decided to investigate it. ACMA normally takes about two to three months to investigate a complaint. Uh, they issued their findings and they found that uh, the 60 Minutes program was not in breach uh, of the code. And, and this is something new that we're lear- le- learning as to how these codes, what the codes actually mean and how they're applied. There is no requirement for current affairs programs to be fair and balanced. They can push any line that they wish as long as the information that they convey is conveyed accurately. 
so they can interview whoever they like with any views that they choose so to. So they can they can interview someone and selectively air out the statements that he as makes. As long as it's done accurately. But if it's if, it, if, if, if they selectively it's not manipulated, air, yes. Oh, that's manipulation, no. isn't it? They if they ask him a question and they say, for example, uh, do you support jihad? And he says, yes, and in that I mean jihad as being this and this and this and this. If they cut it out and they say just yes, isn't that manipulation? That that that's manipulation. That that would be that would be manipulation. But if if what they uh, s- uh, what what they selected in, in 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 a particular context could convey a particular meaning, then that would still be upheld. Then right. that would not be in breach. Okay. Yeah. And that particular show that uh, we uh, we we argued the case that they selected uh, individuals with particular viewpoints that were on the extreme end. Uh, of the spectrum when it came to that particular topic. And we said that that did not fairly represent the mainstream view on that topic. ACMA said that they were entitled to do that. They were not required as a current affairs program to to uh, convey a topic in a balanced way. 60 Minutes argued that they did present the opposite viewpoint. They interviewed uh, Chris Bowen, the Minister for Immigration at the time, and they also presented another Muslim act, female activist, activist in the community to present her views, and they said that that was enough of a balance or a counter-argument to the arguments that were presented by the other people. Yep. Yep. Okay. So the only time you can catch those programs that JMA can catch them is if what they convey is uh, inaccurate, if the information is inaccurate, and this we have another case with today tonight mm-hmm. that we have referred on to ACMA and ACMA is busy investigating that. Yeah. That was the case uh, where they uh, ran a program called uh, Muslim Recruitment Drive. Oh yeah, I remember um, that one. So we have that case, and we have a stronger case this time because the information that they conveyed in the show, uh, they. Um, they made uh, they implied that the statistics or the letter that they referred to the re- letter asking the muslim community to tick the census box that that letter came from a particular organization when in fact it came from another muslim organization mm. so that's that i think that we, we stand a better chance of them uh, being found in breach of um, um, conveying information accurately also they um in the beginning of that um, segment they showed a church and said it was a mosque yeah, so, uh, they implied that it was a mosque. They didn't say it was a mosque. Yeah. Uh, their counter to that was that it was a religious story. So they presented a religious image. They have very good people thinking of these <laughs> counter arguments. <laughs> Are there any other avenues that you can take? I mean, if you lose a case with, I think you said ACMA. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is there a, maybe can you take that sort of case to the Supreme Court or District Court? Our, our preference is not to go down the legal uh, uh, legal defamation avenue because that's very costly. That's really not our our goal and aim at the end of the day. What we're trying to do is to engage with the media. Uh, so even even though we may uh, we may not achieve a uh, satisfactory outcome with that particular case, the mere fact that we engaged with that particular producer of that particular program hopefully will have an impact for future productions mm. so that's that's where we are trying to uh, uh, to see whether we are having an impact uh, and through our monitoring we will then uh, continue to monitor that particular producer or that particular program to see whether they will repeat the same offense uh, later on I or mean do I the s- same thing down, down the road the fact that you're monitoring as well 
and um, on their back in a way. Mm. They know that they can't really get away with it and they will waste time even if it's responding to a letter, responding mm. to a complaint. Mm. So maybe eventually, I mean, inshallah, we will hope that it will slowly fade out. The, um, I mean, have you, have you seen a change? It's hard to assess. Um, it's hard to know whether... I, I know that I've seen uh, some change with particular journalists that we've engaged with on particular stories. Uh, for example, we engaged with the Daily Telegraph on uh, particular stories about a uh, cleric uh, in, in Sydney. And after our engagement and, and questioning and clarifying certain, uh, certain allegations that were made in the first story, in their follow-up story, they included a lot of the information and context that we provided uh, regarding the first story. Okay. So that was a positive outcome where we could see some change being made. Hmm. where the context or the questions that we asked about the first story were incorporated and clarified in the second story. Uh, so that, 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 is that, is, that is a positive impact uh, where we can have that kind of outcome. I would like to, at this stage, come to uh, a point that you mentioned before about the fact that many people think there is a conspiracy, that the media is uh, following a sort of a uh, indirect campaign maybe mm -hmm. against Muslims. Now, as I also mentioned in the beginning, over the last 11 years, there's been a rise in the, uh, I guess, sentiments that are, you know, against Muslims or against Arabs. We can call this racism, we can call it xenophobia, or we can uh, even call it Islamophobia. There's a lot of things that we see, and also from what I've heard from you now, that lead me and others to believe that there is some sort of um, attitude that it's okay to, to attack Muslims, that it's okay to show Muslims in a negative light. I mean, the fact that the, the 60 Minutes um, uh, segment, that's a perfect example. I mean, somebody went out there, did research, came back with a completely skewed picture. If the, I mean, either this person is a really bad journalist, or he went out with, with this um, you know attitude or with this view already sort of um, concrete in his mind, and he came back and he just told it in that way. Um, so over the last, you know, a few years, we've had 9/11, uh, we've had the Iraq War, we've ha we continuously keep having the, um, uh, you know, the uh, boat people or the refugees issue keep com keeps coming up, and it's it's um, linked with Muslims all the time, even though it has lots of you know, Africans, um, um, uh, Sri Lankans, um, Tamils, etc. I mean, there's still Afghans and uh, Iraqis and Iranians coming. Um, the the issue of Sharia is always brought into the fore even though it's it's very minute in terms of you know what muslims want and there's always a couple of you know uh, politicians or a couple of programs coming about hijab and niqab etc how is this not signs of a conspiracy i i don't believe uh, there is a conspiracy uh, and in the last 12 months that i've been doing this work i don't think i don't think there is uh, but I think the, the the issue is more complex than just a conspiracy or a concerted effort by certain individuals or certain uh, media organizations to to um, uh, to capitalize on uh, the topics related to Islam and the Muslim community. Yeah. There are certainly certain media organizations that are more prominent in our monitoring, yeah. and we uh, we have picked up that these um, uh, media organizations tend to um, to write when they do cover Islam and, and the Muslim community they have a particular bias in the way that they will cover the issue 
Uh, then there are other media organizations that will can, that, that will take a fair and balanced approach whenever they cover uh, Muslim uh, the Muslim Muslim issues in the media. So I think we have the full spectrum uh, of of media organizations. And at the end of the day, these media organizations are going to bring uh, bring forward the biases of the people working within those uh, within those companies and those organizations. I don't think it's company policy, per perhaps, that they would have the strategy out there. Uh, but related to this is the issue where, and, and some research has been done on this, that issues to do with Islam and the Muslim community rate well for media companies and generates a lot of interest. Because of 9-11 and all the associated things that you mentioned before, there is this climate of, uh, when it comes to media consumer consumerism, uh, Muslim and Islam-related topics rate well. So generate a lot of interest. And media companies know that. So in order for them to sell their product, they will... Um, uh, they are hungry for uh, information and stories but related is it to Islam them, Muslims. Is it them that are driving this this fear of Muslims? Is it them that are keeping it alive? Because it just seems that there is a cycle. Whenever a couple of months passes by, it's it's a sort of a slow media day. All of a sudden, a news piece comes up about some ridiculous thing that can happen in any household or it can happen to any organization. Mm -hmm. You know, pops up and people start saying the word Muslim, Muslim, Muslim all the time. Even though the individual may not identify himself as being Muslim, the individual might be Egyptian or um, uh, Pakistani or something. Um, but it's the the word Muslim or from a Muslim country is always mentioned. Mm. I think I think it's it's twofold. Uh, there is an argument to be made that the media organization will generate that interest if they know that that is going to sell their newspapers, for example, uh, and they know that that is a successful formula to use. Then they will they they will generate that interest uh, themselves. But I think also in the wider community, the the media. Uh, there's another argument, a counter argument, which says that the media only reflects what the readership wants. Uh, so it will, it will, it will reflect the biases and the racism that is prevalent within the community, within the society. I see that as a challenge, and I think uh, we we're not working in a va we, we don't work in a vacuum. So we work in this particular reality. We have an opportunity to change that reality to counter that, to work uh, against that, to improve the society and the uh, perceptions of Islam in the Muslim community. So this is where I think we are not taking this opportunity and, and working uh, seriously about that particular perception that people have of Islam in the Muslim community. Uh, what we are doing, in, in a sense, is uh, giving certain sections of, of the media a free run on these issues. I'm talking about uh, Muslims either as consumers of the media um, responding to uh, stories that they perceive to be negative or stereotypical of Muslims and, and, and the community, so how should rather than sitting back, and this is something that we spoke about before, what uh, Muslims should do okay. as consumers of the media is rather than um, simply just complain about the status quo, but actively get involved to try and change the status quo, whether it is active, being active on forums, uh, contacting the media and complaining and lodging complaints about stories that they feel are not fair and balanced uh, or that are, are inaccurate. And, and, and this is something that uh, we need. Uh, the other problem that we have is, uh, as, as, as a community, we don't have capable, qualified and articulate spokespeople to talk to the media and to challenge these issues and these perceptions. Uh, uh, so when the media goes looking for that counterbalance, th they find find it difficult to get access to uh, capable, qualified, articulate. I was going to ask about, um, I mean, just to elaborate on what you're saying, 
and I did mention it earlier, I, I don't think there is a, such thing as a conspiracy against Muslims. I think really our problem is us. And we, I mean, we've got to change our state before um, we're able to achieve any change, any positive change. Um, like you mentioned, it's so hard to find a reasonable Muslim to interview. But we're so yet we're so divided. We can't even choose, a, you know, we can't unitedly choose a spokesperson to say, all right, yeah, that person is to say is to talk about these issues, and that person is to release a, um, you know, a media release or what do you call it, a media release? Yeah, yeah. And that is the person that you know the media has to contact before they can contact anyone, and all the Mus- the Muslims have to actually unite on that on that concept and really just shut their mouth. And not talk, not talk to the media, not, you know, give a random interview when you really are not educated enough to talk to the media. You have really strange ideas that do not reflect not even 1% of the Muslim population in, in Sydney, let alone or Australia or even the world, and make that the majority. And, I mean, these people are just, you know, attention seekers, and the media love that. So I don't really blame the media. I mean, I look at these people and think they're clowns. I mean, with with anything in the media. I mean, if you watch the the news, it's it's what sells. And someone acting like a clown and talking about terrorism and old Sharia law and how he's going to take over the country or take over the world. I mean, that's that's funny. It's amusing, and um, that's it's unfortunate. But Subhanallah, if we're able to unite and we're able to really um, at least unite on this idea, because we have to. Um, from whatever ideology you come from, we, we need to unite on this because this is what's causing so much problems and, um, you know, in you're really um, encouraging that ignorance in, in the greater Australian society. I think, um, if you'll allow me to speak, uh, Brother Zakaria, the idea of Muslims uniting is maybe something that we shouldn't be working towards because there is how many Muslims in Australia? Half a million or 300,000, I don't know, with the statistics uh, these days. But there's hundreds of thousands of Muslims in Australia. I should should um, emphasise, not uniting in a sense where we all believe the same thing, but in a sense where we all agree that one person should talk, or two people should talk, or one person from each state should talk. Mm. That's important. I mean, if you look at any other um, religious organisations, they are so structured in a way where you can't just talk to some random bloke from, you know, from the, I don't know, make up some sect, um, the Hula religion, right? You, It's a very organised structure. And really, we should learn from these structures. And, I mean, we should learn from these structures in a sense where one person that does the talking and... Um, and one person is trained enough to speak, you know, to speak. But again, I don't think it would be fair to to make this comparison because for, I mean, um, from top of my head, it's mostly Christian organizations and Jewish organizations that are structured that well. The reason why they're structured that well is because they've been here for a very long time and they've had the training and experience. Sorry, we've been here um, just as long. No, we haven't. Yes, we have. 30 years? No, no, actually, we've been a lot longer. If you know anything about Australian history, we've been If I could just intervene. Yes, sorry. (laughs) I was going to say that um, uh, I agree with uh, what the, the sister is saying, uh, particularly in in uh, in Sydney. There is a problem of coordinated strategy, 
But if you compare the situation, it's not all bleak. Uh, for example, Victoria does a pretty reasonable job. Um, they have a, a structured setup uh, in, in, in Melbourne particularly where the media know exactly where to go if they need a uh, comment on a particular issue. Um, the Islamic Council of Victoria has uh, two appointed media spokespeople, one male, one female. If the one person's not available, the other the other person covers. So they always have someone uh, uh, available 24/7, and that's what media the media uh, organisations need. They need availability and they need access. I'll give you a, a very quick example. There was this story of the uh, uh, the Muslim woman who converted uh, to Christianity that's gone missing since uh, she's been missing for a month now in in Melbourne. Okay. And initially, this story came out saying that. Um, the family feared that she was abducted by Muslim radical extremists uh, because of her uh, work in the community trying to convert Muslims to Christianity. We picked up that story uh, in the week on Tuesday and we communicated with the Islamic Council of Victoria about the story. Uh, I also communicated the, uh, with a journalist from the Age newspaper because it was on the front page of the Age newspaper. And basically, I kept the ICV in the loop as to what I was communicating with the journalist about and what my concerns with his story was. And the main thing that I focused on was uh, what was the substantiation for the media publicizing the fact that the family feared that the woman was abducted by Muslim extremists in Melbourne. And it came to light that the uh, journalist, uh, that there was no local threat uh, or no local uh, substantiation. So basically, it was an unfounded fear uh, based on uh, events that happened overseas, similar events that happened overseas. So I, I emphasized the point to the journalist that I thought that the journalist should have clarified and made that clear in the original article. But by then, the damage had already been done. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is that the Islamic Council were in the loop with all my communications as well, and that helped them prepare for when the journalist, when the media actually contacted the Islamic Council and they, they issued a statement two days ago yep. uh, saying that it's, it's unhelpful how the media, some, certain sections of the media took this story to try and manipulate the story in a way where there was no uh, found no grounds for making this uh, for publicizing this particular fear of, of the family. So that's an example of how a, a structured system allows JMA also to benefit these structures and the media spokespeople from these organizations. And that's another thing that JMA does through our monitoring is whenever we come across articles that we think uh, media spokespeople from peak Muslim bodies need to be aware of, we will pass it on to them and we will also give our uh, point of view uh, on the situation to help them prepare their statement when they need to issue one. And is this sort of help reciprocated by these organizations? Say that again? Uh, this sort of help, the assistance that you're giving and um, the coordination that you're carrying out with mm -hmm. them, um, are they in turn also helping you out and keeping you in the loop with whatever they're doing that you know, relates to your yes, work? I, I, I will, so we will get consulted on issues as well. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, we got con consulted uh, by the Newcastle Muslim Association last week yep. uh, about attacks on the mosque. Um, oh, yeah. And their committee uh, was uh, assessing whether to go public with the story, whether okay. to go public. And their fear was they had a, a DA application into council that was being assessed by council, and they didn't want to have a media uh, circus or uh, media story impact negatively 
on the assessment process of their DA. So that's what they needed to assess. Yep. They called me and consulted with me about uh, what I thought they needed to do. I, my recommendation to them was to go public with the story. Yep. Uh, I felt that uh, uh, the, the, the story itself of attacks on their current mosque would perhaps uh, positively impact on the council's uh, deliberations of their uh, uh, DA application. But anyway, it's uh, their, their case is in the land and environment court, I think, uh, because the council rejected their first application. So they went ahead and uh, publicized the attacks and spoke to the media. I gave them some uh, some pointers as to what they needed to do with their spokesperson and, the, and if the spokesperson needed to, to talk to me uh, about their talk, the talking points and stuff like that. Uh, so that, that was also a positive uh, consultation process process that JMA also provides to uh, community organizations okay. if they need to engage with the medium. Yeah, that's good. Alhamdulillah. Um, moving ahead, I also wanted to ask about the government's interaction with Muslims and uh, with the media as well. So the government also sometimes um, what they do is they, they would come up with a story that's you know newsworthy and it would be about Muslims, but um, policy-wise, it would be of very little importance. So it's very obvious that the the reason why they're doing it is because they want to shore up the racist vote, or you know, however way you want to um, justify it or uh, explain it. So, again, is this not? I don't want to say campaign, but is this not a a, um, a clear um, policy? Again, it's hard to say. Uh, and, and it's hard to talk for the government and to talk for certain politicians as to what their motives are uh, when talking about particular issues. Uh, all we can do is deal with what is being said and publicized and covered in the media. Uh, and, and we do communicate with politicians as well mm -hmm. if uh, they are quoted to have said certain things in the media that we feel uh, tarnishes the image of a particular community or unfairly stereotypes a particular community, then we will write to the politician to clarify whether they were quoted accurately or not. So that's that's all also something that we do in the first instance is to confirm whether the media actually uh, conveyed uh, what was uh, spoken about accurately. Yeah. Um, and, and through that engagement with politicians as well, uh, they are put on notice uh, about that particular issue if they have misspoken or said something that uh, there are may some tarnish people. Yeah. There are some people, politicians, um, who are high up in the government, uh, I won't say it's the government or the shadow government, who have said some very uh, inflammatory statements about Islam, very um, aggressive, um, uh, insulting uh, statements about Islam that, first of all, of course, caused offense to Muslims, but also they were you know, calling for other Australians to fear Muslims and to fear Islam. And basically saying that Islam is incompatible from now till a thousand years, it'll never change. Now these people were in the inner circle of, of the leading elite, and yet uh, their leadership didn't comment on it at all, mm. and just mm. said, oh, not responsible. Mm. So, I mean, are the Muslims of such low importance to, you know, the government or the, um, the, the elites of the government that they don't... They don't uh, see it uh, worthy to even just sort of make a mention of apologizing to Muslims or even just you know offhandedly saying all oh, Muslims are important and Australians as well as others you see that's that's where um, uh, representative media organizations play an important role um, and, and that's not something that JMA will done will do JMA does not campaign on behalf of the Muslim community uh, we have a, a pretty set formula of uh, assessing uh, media reports uh, as to whether they are accurate, fair, and balanced. 
sometimes some things are written about uh, the Muslim community that uh, are not favorable. Uh, but that's not it's not the job of the media uh, to to run a public relations campaign uh, promoting the Muslim community that's not the media's role uh, but what Muslim peak organizations can do is they can take politicians to task if they feel that they are causing disharmony or uh, uh, impacting neg negatively on on certain communities that's that's the role of peak uh, Muslim organizations and what JMA will do in its monitoring is we will refer, refer those cases on to these peak organizations and 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 uh, recommend that they um, they take on those uh, those issues and write to to politicians yeah, yeah. Um, could I ask yeah. what sort of support are you getting from the community I mean you mentioned it earlier about businessmen and and so forth I mean, Mashallah, you, you seem like you're doing, I mean, your organization seems like you're doing a very, very important job mm -hmm. for the Muslim community. But what's the sort of support that you're getting? Alhamdulillah, we, uh, we reached our target uh, for last year in terms of financial support from the community. We have set, set a budget for this year, which is 50% more than last year, because obviously we need to grow our, uh, our work. How much, how much is your budget this year? That <laughs> this is, I mean, if any one of our listeners wants to... Uh, you know, to give you money. <laughs> how, how is that going to help you? How is it going to How's help? How's that us? information going to help you? It's going to help you, and that'll help us as well. Okay, the budget is very small. Uh, it's a small project, uh, but it has potential to grow. The budget for last year was sixty thousand yep. dollars, and the budget for this year, inshallah, is uh, ninety thousand yep. dollars. It's very small, actually. Yeah, it's a very small budget. Very, very small. How are you planning to raise these funds? Through, through sponsorship. Through sponsorship. Yeah. So our main uh, avenue yeah. for uh, generating support from the community is is through sponsorship. So is this online? So can people just log in to your um, to the website and sponsor online? No, no. There's there's no op there's no uh, facility to to sponsor online. But people can can contact us via the website, yeah. uh, justmediaadvocacy.com.au. Yeah. Uh, if the, if they wish to support this kind of work that we're doing, we always. Uh, um, willing to accept uh, all Don't financial uh, support uh, yeah. sponsorship yeah. Um, we are, uh, I just have to clarify that we're not registered as a uh, charity so yeah. we're not fundraising for donations yeah. uh, we actually go out looking for sponsorship okay. so what we ask people to do is sponsor the work that we're doing in, okay. in terms of providing grants so and you're sponsorship. In a sort of an NGO I guess or no we're not an NGO set up as, as a charity to, okay. to, to raise uh, donations yeah um, I wanted to ask you also because you mentioned that you're not an uh, an Islamic organization and that you don't follow all the uh, cases of Muslims in the media, mm -hmm. that your role is strictly if there is a mistake or if some laws of, of publications have been breached, then you follow them mm -hmm. up. Um, so, but does that make you uh, an Islamic organization or is, is your coverage not just for Muslims in Islam? Um, I didn't say that we're not a an Islamic organization, but by the same token, uh, we're not. You're not. We're not an organization that focuses on the issue of justice in the media, okay. uh, justice and accountability and responsibility. With a focus towards Islam. Um, obviously, our first priority yep. is because our uh, the the core uh, constituency that we are dealing with in terms of sponsorship and support that the organization is getting is from the Muslim community. But that does not mean we will not accept financial sponsorship as well from other communities, from either, uh, either uh, small uh, minority communities or religious communities, mm. uh, for that matter, as long as the criteria that we use is justice within the media. 
for example, we uh, we 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 uh, we will take on cases if other religions are also vilified. Okay. And we currently have a case with um, an online uh, opinion uh, uh, magazine yeah. forum where they published a headline attacking Catholics. Mm. So we've also uh, taken that that case on. Do you think that Catholics need helping? I mean. They're the major uh, organization. I'm guessing they have no, their we own. We, they we got th- money. <laughs> <laughs> they have money. We, it doesn't for really. It doesn't matter to us uh, who needs help. Uh, the criteria that we use is any uh, individual or organization that is unfairly dealt with by the media needs uh, needs the work that we do. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you also um, about a possible uh, legal arm in the future. I mean, there are here, for example, Muslim lawyers and um, Muslim. Uh, or, or uh, collectives of Muslim lawyers that have started, I think, last year. Um, so, have you thought, or you know, have you uh, contacted them about, you know, possible um, collaboration in the future, whereby, you know, if you follow up with an article with somebody and he doesn't reply, then you at least have lawyers to advance the case for you legally. At the moment, we we are not pursuing uh, any collaborative uh, type of arrangement. But what we do is in our monitoring. If we uh, come across a case where we, uh, we where we assess that it ha- that there is uh, there is a case for defamation to be investigated seriously, then we will refer that case on to uh, on to lawyers for legal assessment. Yeah. But we will let the person uh, being mentioned in the story or the organisation mentioned in the story. We will advise them to seek legal legal advice. Yeah. We will recommend that they seek legal advice. Okay. We will still take on the case, but if we believe that there is a, uh, a case for defamation to be made mm. in our preliminary assessment, obviously we, uh, we we don't have the legal capacity to 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 give uh, that type of advice. We will recommend that they go and seek independent legal advice. Very hard to prove a defamation case. Very very hard. Yeah, that's why we don't we don't we don't we More don't take on. Going to lose than yeah, we don't take on those cases, yeah. and we do, we don't plan to set up any collaborative. Uh, uh, approaches with any legal firms to do that. We will adv- uh, recommend that people go and do that assessment by them uh, on their own. Yep. Okay. Our approach is more an engagement type of approach where we're trying to impact and influence and put our point of view across. Inshallah. Now I've got a question. It's a bit off the wall, and even uh, Sarwa uh, looked at me a bit funny when I uh, mentioned this question. Um, I do um, a lot of uh, reading about. Um, Islamophobia overseas as well as in Australia, in Europe, in the U.S. and in the U.S. especially, it's quite it's quite a concerted effort. There are people who uh, it's their full-time job to attack Islam, to um, basically come up with the crazy statistics. I think uh, Sarwa mentioned a statistic of I think seventeen thousand terrorist attacks last year or something. Oh, that's right. There was a website that and tells you about all the different terrorist yeah. attacks. But the I terrorist attack fairly is amusing. like if a man kicks a dog, that's looked at as a terrorist attack. You know, if a person called uh, Ali, even if his name is Elliot, you know, shoots someone, that's a terrorist attack. It's like that. So, but, you know, it's got a lot of funding, a lot of money behind it. My question is, do you think there is any um, influence of Islamophobia and, and negative media coverage in the U.S. towards Australian um, sentiments towards Muslims and media coverage. It's hard to say. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't have a firm view on 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 that question. Uh, my first impression is that I don't think there is um, a direct influence, especially from the U.S. on the Australian media. 
uh, I think uh, they are they are separate, and, and and the Australian media tend to, although there are some media organisations that are multinational conglomerates like News Limited, for example. Um, I, I think they are still um, local and independent, yep. and, and they determine their own strategy and agenda locally. Where I think some of the influence may come about is when uh, people from the U.S. who are, for example, uh, actively engaged in campaigns to tarnish the Muslim community when they come and visit Australia, and the media then provides a platform for them to air their views. Uh, and and this is something that we also monitor for, mm. and uh, for example, the case of uh, Mariam Namazi from the UK, yeah. she was she was Muslim and became an atheist, yeah. and she's act- actively campaigning against Islam and Muslims. She's yeah. established an organisation called the uh, Council of Ex Muslims um, Ex Muslims of Britain, oh, okay. uh, for example, and she has one law for another organisation called One Law for All, speaking out against uh, Sharia Muslim yeah. legal law. Muslim law. Uh, we actually wrote a review of her visit to Australia, and we published that. Uh, that review was published by an online forum called Online Opinion, and uh, the the media basically gave her a free run uh, in Australia, and journalists really did. The journalists uh, who covered her visit to Australia really did not uh, do the back. work that they yeah. are paid to do. Which is, uh, which was to to uh, investigate her background, ask her about, um, ask her the difficult questions, and ask her how she's managed to form her view, uh, what her status is currently right now as an atheist, also a uh, member of the Socialist Worker Party of Iran, S- uh, things like that. Yeah. Uh, they they focus so much on the issue of Sharia courts, but no one asked her the question what she fa- what she thought about Jewish courts in the UK, for example, or Jewish courts in Australia. Uh, so th- these were questions that we asked of the journalists and the media here. Why did they allow her to come and do a public relations visit and just? provide an open platform for her. And why did uh, uh, University of Western Sydney allow her to give a talk in, on their campus? No, I think I think universities are places uh, um, so I don't I don't have a problem with universities allowing people of all uh, walks of life and all viewpoints mm. uh, to present at universities. I think that's a place for universities to do that. Uh, where all kinds of views need to be uh, pre- uh, presented, as long as views can be openly challenged, and I think at universities that will happen. But in the media, that uh, that generally sometimes doesn't happen, and that's, I think, where the influence is and where the media becomes lazy. Uh, our journalists and uh, reporters become lazy, and they just allow themselves to be used uh, for other people's campaigns. So is, I don't understand, is this to do with the standard of, of reporting in Australia or is it just that there's not enough competition for uh, journalism to be good? I think I think what it is, is it, it's a combination of many things. It's lazy journalism, it's the time pressures that they have as well. Uh, uh, journalists are asked to do a lot more with less uh, less re- less resources. Media media companies are, uh, are struggling with the new online uh, uh, um, uh, medium, uh, medium uh, especially uh, print media, they're, they're struggling with that. They don't know how uh, to cope with and what financial uh, structures they need to put in place yeah. to make it viable for them. Uh, so there are there are different competing uh, interests that they have to f- uh, to face. Um, I wanted to ask you as well. Uh, there are these types of people um, who, like I said, 
spend full, basically all their time just attacking Muslims mm-hmm. in the most horrendous, crazy ways. There even, I mean, their organization, there's a website called Loon Watches mm-hmm. or LoonWatch.com. And they basically follow them up and, uh, you know, uncover their craziness. And they call them loons and the same thing in, in Britain as well. Um, are there individuals here who do something similar whereby they keep feeding the media, they keep coming up with such, um, you know, um, fear-based, Crazy insane, talk. lunatic... Uh, there are there are individual websites set up specifically for that task. Mm. Um, there are a few of them. But I think, by and large, the mainstream media ignores what they do. Uh, and the mainstream media doesn't buy into buy into that. So from JMA's perspective, we don't even waste our time with okay. the blogs and uh, those particular campaign websites that are set up specifically to target the Muslim community. And they don't have a lot of following here? No. No. So in terms of the impact, and this is what we assess, uh, is what impact uh, they have on the wider community um, is, is minimal. And that's why we focus most of our attention on, main, on the mainstream okay. media. So then by that same token, uh, since last year until now, uh, what has been your impact? Uh, how big has your impact been? It's hard to assess what our impact has been. I'm, I can only go on impressions. Uh, I think we have made a small impact. There's still a lot more that we need to do. We, we have reached uh, our, our, our targets that we set out for 2011 of the things that we wanted to do. It was a trial year, not an easy year, to sort out exactly what our approach should be, what are the things that we need to do. So there's a, there was a, it was a steep learning curve that uh, we needed to go through, and we probably will continue to do that in 2012. Yep. Uh, sure. But it's an, it's an exciting project. It's, it's a project that needs to be done. Uh, and um, I said from the start that the one key performance uh, indicator uh, that I will use for this, uh, and I've said this as a five-year project, at the end of five years, th- there should be no cases for us to, um, uh, to work on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think that's m- being too optimistic, um, and, and uh, it's, 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 it, it, th- this problem will probably never go away. But if we can reduce the extent of it, uh, over the long term, then I think um, that's uh, what we're aiming to do. I'm, I'm hoping that you know most people get bored of hearing about Muslims in media. I mean, oh. seriously, aren't there any other issues to discuss and you know talk about? Yeah, I think like, uh, maybe I'm know, a break up of some other celebrity. I mean, I think <laughs> that's more interesting than. <laughs> yeah, Muslims maybe will have to follow celebrities and just bring out their news even more for non-Muslims too. <laughs> um, I think maybe I'm a bit more uh, pessimistic because I read uh, YouTube comments and. They're really... <laughs> don't, don't do that. Yeah, sometimes don't waste your time. I, I fall for it and I just get very depressed. <laughs> don't waste your time. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I would love to go on uh, for another two hours, but uh, Doctor, you've got to go. And uh, we have come to the end of our show. So um, I would like to start and end by thanking you, Jazakumullah Khairan, for coming and for the incredible work that you're doing. Um, as a, um, a leader of the community, uh, you're someone who has a lot of credibility and someone who I would give my money to if I had any money. So if there's any people out there with money, contact. Uh, yeah, just a reminder that the website is just, just media advocacy, one word, yeah, .com.au. We'll, we'll put it on our Facebook. We'll link it on the Facebook, yeah. inshallah. inshallah. And thank you very much for the opportunity. It's my no, pleasure. Inshallah. And um, so uh, now we come to the end of our show, inshallah. We're going to be running a number of programs um, about media, and we're going to be interviewing a number of um, 
I guess you can say minor media personalities and and media uh, activists um, to explore further the relationship between Muslims and the media and the realities that the media shows as opposed to the actual realities that, that Muslims live in Australia. Uh, so look out for those, inshallah. Um, and if you have any um, questions or if you have any contributions, please don't hesitate to call us on uh, 972433355. You can comment on the Facebook page or on Twitter. Um, and um, just let us know what you think, inshallah. The podcast will be available tomorrow. And uh, finally, I would like to thank my co-host, uh, Sarah Abdelrahim. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. And uh, from your host, uh, Nasr Al-Khatib, I'd like to thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you next week, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.